A few years ago, one of the kids in my online coaching program said to me, Coach Rebecca, I wish we could just go to a gym and have you as our coach. We would all be so happy and so confident. And that warmed my heart and I was like, oh my gosh, that would be the best. And that comment stuck with me for years. So now I'm going to do something about it. I am inviting gymnasts from all over the country to join me for the first ever Confident Gymnast Camp this August 3rd and 4th. This camp is all about breaking through mental blocks. So if you're struggling with a skill and you want me and my team to help you break through in real time, then check out confidentgymnast.com for details. Hi guys, on today's podcast, I'm talking to you sport parents. And I'm going to answer a question from a mom who said that she gets frustrated when her athlete isn't performing or isn't doing a skill that she should be able to do. So I'm going to talk about how to best support your athlete in that type of situation and still keep your sanity in tow. And I'm going to go over one of my favorite theories of parenting that allows teenagers specifically to both improve their performance and take responsibility for their actions. And then I'll give you a healthy dose of what not to do because that's always helpful. All right, let's do it. Welcome to the Perform Happy Podcast, where athletes and their support squad come to learn the secret weapon for sports success. I'm your host, Rebecca Smith. First, I was a scaredy cat gymnast, then a coach. Now I'm a sports psychology expert and a parent. Athletes, whether you're feeling stuck or you're having the best season of your life, I'm here to help you reach peak performance and maximum enjoyment. Hey everybody, I'm Coach Rebecca Smith, and today I am going to be tackling a question from a gymnastics mom. She responded to an email that I had sent out by saying, my biggest problem as a competitive gymnast mom is getting mad when she doesn't get a skill. I'm trying to be more supportive, but don't want her to miss any opportunities. So this, I think, is really, really common. We have these little angels that we parent, and we see all this potential in them, and And then we see them making mistakes or not applying themselves or just not giving full effort. And it can be really frustrating to be like, oh my gosh, if you tried this much harder, you would have that. Like, come on, kiddo, you got this. I will never forget my first foray into gymnastics parenting. My daughter, my oldest daughter, I feel like was two-ish, maybe two and a half maybe three. I don't know. Anyway, she was doing what we call a safety fall. So she would climb up on the little, the table trainer, like the little practice vault trainer. And then they'd have them like give themselves a hug and fall backwards on the mat. So they're learning how to not put their arms back. Right. So the arms stay safe. So an important skill, you know, and so she gets up on that thing and she just will not do it. She will not do it. And I'm like, this is okay. This is important. Also, I work at that facility with their high-level athletes working on mindset and working on high performance. And then I've got this little kid that like cannot sit still in class, doesn't want to do it. We'll just flat out say, no, I'm not trying that. She'll skip stations. I'm like, okay, my perfectionism, my need for things to be perfect, my need to look good, my recognizing that like, okay, this kid comes from two athletes. Like she's probably going to be good at whatever she tries. So I want her to try and she's not even trying. Oh man, that was such like, that was such a blood boil moment for me. You guys are probably like, uh, falling backwards on a mat. I know, but like our kids trigger us, right? Because it wasn't about her doing that skill. It was about like 9,000 other things that I was carrying around in my parent brain. 
So gosh, what did we do? I had to back the heck off. That was the only thing that worked. I was like, okay, let's try some baby steps. I'm like, I'm going to pull out my whole arsenal of all the things I know, all of my sports psychology expertise. I'm going to pull it out on this two and a half year old. And she was like, no, I'm not doing that. Nope, not doing that. I'm skipping this. I'm not doing it. So, and I was like, I just want you to do something, something. And I finally had to be like, okay, okay. I had to surrender. Like these, my little, my youngest is three and now she's my next best teacher that age. It's like, oh, but I had to back off. And you know what? So as soon as I back off, she's gone to like two or three classes where they have this station and she either just totally won't do it or she does like the most low effort version of this thing. Then when nobody's looking, she's on the couch at her house practicing it. Because guess what? She doesn't like the spotlight. She also got a little perfectionism from her mother. So she doesn't like to do things that people are watching that she's not going to do well that feel scary, which I can 100% relate to. But that what I learned from that was that she did not need my help. <laughs> she did not need my help. She needed to have her own process, which for her was three weeks of watching other kids do it and not needing to be pushed to try it. Then she needed me to back off and stop giving her suggestions. She needed to be able to choose, do I want to go for this or do I not? Which is hard for me because I'm like, no, you have to do all the stations and everyone does all the stations and all the kids, the other kids are doing all the stations. But she had to be able to be, to have some agency. Her little two and a half year old self had to be, and then she had to practice it at home, get a little more comfortable. And then next thing I know she's doing it. And she's like so stinking proud of herself. So to bring it back to a high level gymnast, there is a theory that I want to share with you today called loving detachment. Okay. This is where we let your teenager or your athlete of whatever age learn from their own decisions. So we have this natural inclination to remind, advise, suggest, because we want life to be smooth. I just want her to fit in. I want her to feel successful. I want her to be happy. I want her to love the sport that I love, even though I'm like, it's fine if you don't love it, but I want you to love it, but it's okay if you don't, but I want life to ultimately be smooth for her. So that help that I'm giving, here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Is it really about the growth of your athlete? Or is it about your own need to control, to lessen your own anxiety or your your own discomfort with her making her own mistakes and her having her own consequences? You know, so and then my my three-year-old, my younger one, when she started doing gymnastics, she was terrified. She like hadn't left the house because it was a pandemic and she didn't know how to do humans and she didn't want to do the trampoline. And you know what? I knew. I was like, yeah, it's okay. We're just going to sit and we're going to watch and we're going to let you have your process. And you're not going to look perfect and I'm not going to look good and I am okay with that. So as soon as I could surrender that I don't need to be in control, I don't need to call my own anxiety about you looking good or you having fun, I'm just going to be neutral. So your question is, am I able to let my athlete have the dignity of their own life lessons rather than feeling like I know best and I need to help all the time? The other part of this is compassionately allowing others. Maybe it's not your athlete. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe, you know, allowing others the opportunity to learn how to care for themselves better, learn how to participate in a group, learn how to have that downfall, that that disappointment and to navigate disappointment so that they don't fear it, so that they try harder things, so that they go bigger because they know, hey, I've failed before and it's okay. I got disappointed before and I got through it. That is an incredibly important skill. So my dad, just to give another little little vignette here, 
my dad is like the most yes person I've ever met. He's just like my kid's daddy. Like, yes, yes, yes. Here's your all your sugar and all your TV and all your stuff and the bad guy. But my dad was like Captain Yes. He was Disneyland dad. He was anything you want, kiddo. And then there was this part in my life. I was, I think I was like 19, maybe 20, something like that. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do with my life? I kind of already screwed up on college and I bailed out of a marriage and I'd had this, you know, I basically blew my life up by age 22. And I was like, well, if I go to college, maybe my dad will pay my rent. So I was like, maybe I'll go back to school. And I called my dad and was like, can you, can I go back to school? Will you pay for it? And he was like, no, sorry. We already did that. And I was so mad at him. I was so mad. I was like, what do you mean? No, you're not going to pay for my college. Like you have to pay for my college. He's like, sorry, I can't do it right now. I'm just like, you you know, we already did that. It was literally the the first time my dad ever said no to me in my life. And you know what that did for me? It made me go, okay, what do I really want to do? I'm not just going to like be on on the dad train forever. What am I going to do? And so I got two jobs. I was coaching gymnastics. I was working in a restaurant. I remember counting my pennies to put gas in my tank. And I I found this little apartment, this little basement apartment with these plywood floors and exposed plumbing. And I had my little dog and my little truck. And I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And I found this job waitressing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to community college. and I'm going to take one class at a time while I, while I work. And I did it. And then I took two classes and I realized that based on my income, I could get free community college. So I was like, great, I'm going to get all my prerequisites. And then I transferred to another school and I did it myself, a hundred percent myself. I put myself through college. I didn't even know that was possible. And you know what I did when my dad was paying for college? I got a 1.8 GPA. When I was paying for my own college, I got a 4.0. That, and I mean, like, thank goodness my dad said no to me. Thank goodness he did not help because then I was forced out of the nest and into my own consequences. I had to actually like stare my consequences in the eyes and then go make a decision for myself based on, I don't want to feel this way anymore. So I'm going to do something different. Okay. So another question, if you're kind of a, you know, a helpful parent, will my intervention help or let them avoid responsibility? Okay. So if they are, if there's a responsibility that they could take on that you are preventing them from taking, then you're not actually being helpful. Okay. Here's a little list of if you are doing any of these things, you can stop doing them. Okay. Remembering for them. If they forget their grips, they're going to remember them next time, right? Organizing for them. If they can't find their homework, well, hopefully they're going to come up with a better system planning ahead for them. If they don't have time and they're everything got all messed up, they're going to be more likely to go, I don't want to repeat that. That was bad. <laughs> you know, and that's how humans operate. We make the same good choices again because it feels good, and we stop making the bad choices because they feel bad. But we don't know that if someone's always in front of us like that snowplow parent who's like clearing the way, clearing the way. You got to just get it done. Okay, here you go, kiddo. Like just go have this nice, easy life. No, like what if you got to get your own snow shovel out? Then you're going to figure out the way that works best for you. Don't make peace for them. Don't apologize for them. Don't keep track of things for them. Don't anticipate consequences for them. So that's this one that this parent is doing. She's anticipating the consequences. If you don't get this skill, you don't get to move up. You don't get to be with your friends. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. Okay, those all might be true. 
But that's up to your athlete to learn. And the younger that they can start learning this, the better. The better they're going to do in college, the more likely that they're going to actually stick with college. You know, I had people clearing the way for me when I was younger. And it created this whole, like I had to blow my life up to actually have a moment to go, okay, what's important to me? What do I care about? And what do I want to be good at? So if you can give them those opportunities, you know, those swimmers, let them forget their goggles, let them bring the wrong suit. And obviously we're not being malicious, but you don't need to go over and above taking care of everything because you are actually depriving them of life lessons. Okay, so here are your two options of, let's say, here's the situation. Your athlete needs to get this skill or she won't move up. And you know that will be devastating for her. She talks about it all the time. This will be devastating if I don't get this skill. Option A, you can nag, lecture, explain, guilt, try to motivate her, like really be involved in it. Here's what usually happens. She doesn't want to talk about it. She does not ask for help because she feels like she's bombarded by help. She feels ashamed. She feels like there's something wrong with her. She gets mad at you. She feels bad about herself. Her confidence goes down, not up, because then she feels like she's not only letting herself and her coach down, she's also letting you down. She blames other people for her lack of success because everyone else is putting pressure on her. And then she doesn't end up taking responsibility when she doesn't get her skill because you are so helpful. Okay, option B, let her have her journey and stay neutral. This is very hard, but that's, you know, I'm doing that better with my second kid, right? I'm like, you know what? If we get out there today, we get out there today. It's okay. Nobody's perfect. Nobody here needs to go to the Olympics for me to love them. Love them no matter what. And I'm neutral. And then the next thing you know, she's up there. She's popping up. She's trying stuff. It's like, uh, it always works that way. So if you're just letting her experience it and you're staying neutral, she either gets the skill or she doesn't. It happens either way, right? If you nag her, she either gets it or she doesn't. If you don't nag her, she either gets it or she doesn't. If she gets it, celebrate with her. She earned it. Talk about her progress. Talk about her effort. Talk about how proud you are that she set a goal and she reached it and it wasn't always easy and she wasn't always motivated and she stayed with it and you're so proud. If she doesn't get the skill, help her find those life lessons and help her keep moving forward. Help her cope. Like, yeah, this is a disappointment. What can we learn? What's the message here? What can we do next time? You know, and I I think all of that, actually, I'm going to rewind. It's not a we. And I talk to parents a lot who are like, we lost our back handspring. I'm like, mom, you have not done a back handspring on a beam. Are you kidding me? Like, this is not a we thing. This is her. She's either doing it or she's not. It's not us. But you can, if you have stayed neutral and you have backed off enough that she actually is willing to talk to you about her sport, then you can be that neutral sounding board where she can be sad. She can be disappointed. You can give her hugs and love and food and rides and tuition, and that's it. And then she can come to you and you can help her unearth those lessons of, you know what, mom, I'm scared. That's why I wasn't going for it. Maybe I need to talk to somebody here. Maybe I need to do something differently. And you're like, okay, what do you think you should do? Rather than you throw all these ideas at her and then she just shuts down and resists. Okay. So I'll wrap up with this. I want to tell you the no's and the yeses. Okay. So this is what not to do. If you're doing any of this, just stop it. No guilt, no shame, no corrections, no personal agenda on what your athlete's outcome will be. So if you're like, my kid's going to get a college scholarship, you can erase that off the whiteboard of your mind and go, I love my kid. If you have a personal outcome goal, they're going to feel it and they're going to feel disappointed. 
if they don't please you. So if you can find neutral and let go of any of those things that you think need to happen or should happen or could happen, be with them. Just be present, praise progress, praise their effort. That's it. Okay, so no personal goals for their outcomes, no time pressure, no only six weeks, only two weeks. You got to get this together. No time pressure, no rhetorical questions. Why are you not doing it? What's going on? No shaming again, no coaching even if you have been a coach, even if you know what you're talking about, no taking it personally, no getting angry about their performance. If you're getting angry about their performance, that is your work to do, not theirs. Because ideally, we will be these totally zen mamas and daddies who love our kids no matter what, feel our feet beneath us, stay in the moment, and help find those great lessons that help these kids to have better character, to weather those storms so they don't have to blow their lives up at 22, okay? What do we say yes to? Those are all the no's. Yes to rides, hugs, food, tuition. The end, that's it. Rides, hugs, food, tuition. Everything else you may remove from your shoulders, off your shoulders, off your plate. That's it. You praise their effort and their attitude and that's it. And you notice when they're making progress. And then the rest, you can just take a sigh of relief and go, you don't have to do it. And they're going to be okay. Okay. Hope that's helpful. Sorry, I get a little on my high horse. I, half the time I'm talking to myself when I talk to you sport parents, it's all good to remember on repeat because we default into these little stress ball parents who just want everybody to be happy. So anyway, I will be back soon to talk more sports psychology, sport parenting. And until then, feel free to send me a DM if you have any questions or shoot me an email. If you're on our email list, then you'll have plenty of opportunities to email me back and I will see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Perform Happy Podcast. If you're ready to unlock your maximum sport potential, head over to performhappy.com and join us. You'll be training alongside world champion athletes and Olympic hopefuls. And I will personally take you through my research-based system for overcoming fear and mental blocks, building confidence, and finding your flow. I'm coach Rebecca Smith, and I'll see you next time.